0: Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks. If you believe that living your best life includes being your own boss, then you've got to try FreshBooks. FreshBooks makes creating and sending invoices, organizing your expenses, and tracking your hours the easiest part of your day. Go to freshbooks.com slash girlboss for your free 30-day trial. And by MeUndies. MeUndies makes the world's most comfortable underwear – my husband wears them every day – that come in tons of styles. Head to MeUndies.com slash Girlboss to get free shipping and 20% off your first order. Hi, this is Girlboss Radio from Panoply. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of Nasty Gal and the author of Girlboss. Every week, I talk to different girl bosses, women whose careers I admire from technology, business, fashion, beauty, food, and more, to find out how these successful women got to where they are today. Today's guest is Greg Renfrew. But first, my weird friend Liz is back on the show. She's an actor, comedian, and writer, and we always end up giggling. We'll be talking about our week and, of course, our girl boss moments from this week. You can follow Liz at the Liz Carey on Instagram.
1: Hi, Liz! How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really great. Yeah? Yeah.
0: You're wearing many ears.
1: You're wearing many ears.
0: Oh, we're both wearing many ears.
1: What's new? Basically, I realize that I may not be here to give girl boss moments. I may be here to be the girl boss. Lesson. the <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Do you have a girl boss lesson? Yeah. what What is it? Because like, each week I keep coming in here and I get this email from Shara, our producer, like, maybe think about your girl boss moment. And on the drive here, I'm always like, dum-de-dum-de-dum. <laughs> and, but like literally, dum de dum 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 No. Oh. No. I haven't even told you this one yet because you were away. How was your trip, by the way? It was
0: good. We went and visited my mom and... Brought three poodles up to Northern California, and I had a little had a nice bit of sleepy weekend.
1: I had a little separation anxiety while you were I gone. I know.
0: Yeah, you really withheld those. So I you. did good, right?
1: Yeah. Just sending photos like this is me brushing my teeth. Here's a video. <laughs> this is me at the dentist. Wait. Um, what's your okay? So yeah, lesson. I do think this is a way I might be part of the show. Is that I'm here to <laughs> live the hard lessons for us? So this guy, not from Dryah A regular person asked me out on a date. Yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. How? How'd um, they find you? Friend of friends, but like was scrolling through the Mm Instacracks. Text, text, text. And I don't know about you guys, but he canceled an hour before the date. Might have told you this part. And this is why he canceled. I would have read verbatim off the text, but it's too boring. (sighs) He canceled. He goes, hey, Sorry, I know this is really last minute. I'm really run down. I'm. I'm sorry. What? Uh, are you run down right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's run down. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you need to say <laughs> it's something. Called
1: adulthood. It's. Called, you need to say something like I have strep throat. Yeah. Say something that's fucking scary that yeah. will make me run for the hills. I'm a little sleepy. Yeah, you're oh. not important. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're a little run down, there, guy. Really? So I kind of gave him a piece of my mind. And I told him that I had to get a babysitter, and I definitely threw it on hard. And our mutual friend was like, Well, he's a really good guy, but he is really sick. Just give him another shot. I think I told you this part. Girl, boss lesson is go with your gut, always. I should have never done the redo. Wait. Mm-mm. Always. Wait for always. it. Always. Okay. Oh, wait. Wow. Oh, you're going to die. Oh, no. I did the redo. Man had no plan, not a plan at all. He just showed up in his car? Well, he just had no plans at all. So we went to just someplace close and we had dinner and he tells me this. A lady that he's been dating, he's only lived here for four months, a lady that he's been dating for a couple of months, he wanted to be up front with me, told him that she wanted to get serious. And I was like, this is amazing news on the date. Go to the bathroom see some of my girlfriends, fill them in on the situation. Uh-huh. They start sending over drinks. I start drinking the drinks. I'm not advocating that anyway. We're 21. I'm 22, whatever. <laughs> so he is cute. I'll give him that much. Whatever. Before he told me about this woman, we'd, he'd kind of put his arm around me. It was getting a little flirty. It's a date. It's a date. Okay. He takes me home. It's early. I said maybe you should have a cup of coffee. We come upstairs. Okay, there's making out. What do you want me to say? There's making out. He says I'm going to wash my hands. At some point, this man flees <gasps> from my house. Oh, my and God. I do. I don't even know. I'm talking to him like he's still there. Like okay. like blah, blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh, I like yeah, want some coffee. Yeah, he was You like oh, sugar bad, in there? A glass of wine. I mean, literally. I'm like, why oh, he's dead quiet. I come that out. is like fucking, He, I've heard uh, of ghosting. But I, go, I call him, I go, excuse me. He goes, yeah, I had a little bit of a panic attack. I go, oh, were, were you a little run down? <laughs> I go, so guess what? You better turn your car back around before I run you down. Uh-huh, and you better get uh-huh. back over here and you better explain yourself. You better fucking apologize. Oh, yeah. What a piece of shit. What a piece. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay, so that's it. That's no, right. No more buyers in your home. No more boys. No. Mm-mm. Go with the gut. So many red flags. Fucking can her. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm unfortunately, a little, I'm a little oh. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I had a panic attack. <laughs> I'm a baby. <laughs> My leg fell asleep. <laughs> 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 Sophie I can't go out tonight because my lips are champ.
0: Um, I have a hangnail <laughs>
1: <laughs> my eyelashes didn't curl right
0: my weenie fell off <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry <laughs> I'm having an oily t-zone <laughs> my butthole's broken <laughs> <laughs> I'm gassy but that would be you every day So, oh my God. anyway yeah it was pretty horrifying yes. I would say of top five worst dates
0: no more boys we don't know these people no more boys not in the no home more
1: boys no more boys oh my god <sighs> i feel better that was like therapy i'm done so no girl boss moments for you just girl boss lessons that's cool i had a moment i'm gonna stop apologizing somebody will bump into me and i'll be like oh my god i'm sorry it wasn't even my fault i say "Excuse me <laughs> <laughs> i will respond to an email that's clearly poorly written. And I'll be like, I'm so sorry. I didn't quite understand that. And what I mean to say is... You don't make any fucking you're sense. You're not making any fucking sense. Yeah. So my girl boss moment is being more assertive. Yeah. Cool. I'm not going to be mean, but I'm going to stop apologizing for things randomly. I think randomly, Liz is not your doorstep. I'm not sure your run-down doormat. Doormat. No way. What do you, run-down? <laughs> We're never going to stop. What was your girl boss moment, girl? I guess my girl boss moment was
0: visiting my mom hmm. and hanging out with her, being c- pretty
1: nice <laughs> for the most part. You guys look pretty in She's the so photo cute. you sent me from the vehicle. She's so cute. We went to Nordstrom together. Oh, did you? Did you mm-mm. get anything there? Mm, yeah. Yeah. No.
0: Mm-mm. Just, just walked around. Yeah. And just shopped like a creep, like a retail creep. <laughs> just looked at... Okay, that's disgusting. And then I guess my other girl boss moment would be i wrote a thousand people on linkedin because i'm trying to like make some stuff happen and i don't do you know it's embarrassing have intros,
1: so i just am cold calling people basically on linkedin i don't know what linkedin is so whenever i get emails in my brain i go like this linkedin what i don't use it why why would i use it What do also have to use doesn't use google calendar what would I use the and Link, I
0: gotta say the day planner? For. I don't know if it's working. What's linked anyway? LinkedIn. What's it about? You don't need it because you're on IMDb. It's like IMDb for the rest of us. We have some girl boss moments from the social medias that we want to share. Yeah,
1: I liked Lily Carey. She goes moved into a new house and yesterday staged a new bakery and was offered a job. That's a lot. Go. Mhm. It's a lot in one day. Taylor
0: Clem bought a domain for my new business, hashtag girlbossmoment. Yeah. It's
1: pretty cool. Use LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Oh, my God. I like this girl. <laughs> Samantha Liz, today I realized I'm the only one who has two positions at my work. Is that a good thing? Maybe.
0: Oh, we launched Cordelia. Yeah. It's so good it's almost sold
1: out. Yeah. I want to buy those shoes. Should I buy those you shoes? You should. They're super cute yeah, and comfortable. cute for me, huh?
0: I like this girl boss moment. I think my hashtag Girlboss moment of the week has to be buying nearly everything in the Courtney Love Nasty Gal yeah, collection. Yeah, That's I love that cool. one. I'm reading some really good books because I start Ooh. in the middle and then work my way forward and backwards with books. I guess I can read more than one at once too. And one's called The Conscious Economy. It's about just how brands can do well and do good in the world has it
1: really sunk into you that a guy that i was making out with washed his hands and then fled from my home that's
0: insane
1: has that really sunk in to all of our listeners who is this guy i don't want to say his name i'm gonna on. look him up where's this guy here he is oh he blocked me what <laughs> did you flip out on him
0: yeah oh yeah well that makes sense yeah
1: but What's he's his private name oh see if you can find him on yours did you burn some toast Oh, so the toast thing, because he kept me up so late, blah, blah, blahing about his blah, blah, dumb, dumb life. After he finally left, I went to sleep. I burnt that toast because I was tired, and I opened the door, but I, I don't know about you, but I lock myself in at night because I'm convinced I'll come to my own death every night. So I set off the burglar alarm and the smoke alarm at once, alone. Oh, my God. You're a real handful. Ugh, that's a lot a great weekend it's great
0: it's a great weekend well at least it's not Christmas anymore so yeah Liz
1: thanks as always (laughs) bye I gotta go I'm pretty run (laughs) down goodbye bye
0: So let's get to the interview. Greg Renfrew is an incredibly inspiring serial entrepreneur. She was the CEO of bridal registry company The Wedding List, which she sold to Martha Stewart Omnimedia and Best & Co., a children's clothing store. She's consulted the likes of Bergdorf Goodman and Intermix. Now she's the founder and CEO of Beauty Counter, a beauty product startup that creates safe, healthy, and fashion-forward beauty products. Hi Greg, how are you? I'm good, Sophia. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So what I guess this is the second time we've actually gotten together. Mm -hmm. Sat next to you at a cool ladies lunch. It was
2: the it was the launch of Code Girl. Yeah, yeah. And Leslie Chilcott had invited me because she's kind of been an inspiration to me because my whole beauty counter story started years ago when I watched An Inconvenient Truth.
0: And you're creating female entrepreneurs every day. It's trying. You were born in New York. I was born in New York. I was born in Manhattan, yeah. Okay. And then you went to an all-girls school.
2: I did. I went to an all-girls boarding school, which was sort of interesting because I had always kind <laughs> of been pro boys um when I was growing up and had a lot of, you know, friends that were boys, but for whatever reason it really struck me as an interesting place for me, and I loved it. So I went to for four years to Miss Porter's school.
0: Cool. Is Was there a Miss Porter?
2: Yes, Sarah Porter, actually, which was – she founded the school, I think, in 1843. And she was actually a really – Ballsy, forward-thinking woman at the time, and it it the name now feels antiquated to some, and so we we've sort of renamed it Porter's. But it's almost it's, like
0: modern again because of Mr. Porter, right, and like right, it is now having a moment. pretend personal and <laughs> not totally,
2: totally. But no, she was actually a really she was one of the first women who believed in in women's education, and she was very well respected at the time. And it sounds like your mom was also a businesswoman. Like, what did she do? What did she teach you? It's funny because my mother has always been focused on being both just financially independent to be on your own as a woman. She always felt that I needed to know how to stand on my own two feet. And so my mother, you know, my father had some mis- – basically we fell in some difficult times in my father's career, and subsequently my parents got divorced. And so my mom went back to work, <clears throat> and she started in real estate, and ultimately – ended up managing one of the largest firms in New York and had hundreds of people working for her. So she was always a full-time working mom, and she was always a really incredible influence for me. What did you study? I studied English. I mean, I went to the University of Vermont. It's sort of funny because I do this guest lecturing series at Stanford Business School, which I've done for about four years, and I never went to business school. I didn't even go to I mean, UVM is a perfectly good college, but it wasn't like I went to Harvard or Yale. I just, I studied English. I really wanted to have a strong command of the English language, and I probably studied beer. I mean, I didn't really, I honestly didn't work that hard in college, but I always wanted, I always knew that English would be important, your ability to communicate.
0: Is this in Burlington? Yes. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was fun. Burlington was really cool. Vermont is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. What was your first job out of college? My
2: very first job out of college was working for a tiny advertising firm called Mark Communications, which I did for about six months, and that was handling Ann Taylor as an account uh, when I first graduated. And I did that for about six months until I racked up a bunch of credit card debt and my mother – I turned to my mother to say, I'm out of money. And she said, well, it looks like time for a new job. And so – Within six months, I had switched over to go work for Xerox Corporation selling copiers and fax machines because I wanted to learn how to sell and because I needed to make more money.
0: In high school, I worked at like Borders Books, Mm -hmm. whatever. But there was stuff that I learned just from the corporate training that even today I find really valuable. What did you learn? Like what are the things that you learned from working at a
2: company like Xerox about selling? Absolutely. I think Xerox was actually one of the best decisions I ever made. And in some ways, it was my own mini MBA. I, I took it as a learning experience and, and obviously an opportunity to make more money. But I think that you know, Xerox at the time and still is known for their leadership training and their sales training. And I think it taught me to learn how to listen. I think so much of business is about the art of negotiation, of strategy and negotiation and being a good listener and understanding what people's needs are and then being able to try to fulfill them. And it, look, it's a humbling experience. I sold copiers door-to-door in the jewelry district of New York City. I mean, and I, these guys didn't need copiers, and I didn't really care about copiers. So it was to businesses. It was, it was to businesses. Yeah. yes. Wow.
0: And you spent
2: some time living overseas. I did. After, after college, I did. I you lived in, in London and then in Hong Kong. What did you do in London? I actually went to work for a brokerage firm in sales, an institutional firm. I quickly learned that, that finance was not my thing at all, but I really wanted to go abroad. It actually came out of when I had lived and when I'd gone abroad on Semester at Sea, I had fallen in love with Hong Kong. And actually, it's funny. My mother recently gave me a letter that I had written to her back in 1990 or whatever saying, I want to live in Hong Kong. And I did. And I went back and lived there because I thought it was really interesting. But I started in London. Then I was transferred on to Hong Kong. And it was all with a bunch of guys in a brokerage firm. It was, an, wow. it, was interesting, it was an interesting ride, to say the least. God, you've had so many different careers.
0: I mean, I, there's a wedding registry in there somewhere, too. Yeah.
2: I know. It seems like I've been all over the map. And I, I think there's like a consistent theme, which is I've always really enjoyed sales. And I've actually, with the exception of my brief stint in in finance and at Xerox, like most of my career has also been around women-centric businesses. But yeah. uh, The Wedding List was a company that, it was a concept I saw in London when I lived there. Prior to moving to London, I had started a bridesmaids dress company with a friend of mine because I thought all the dresses we were being asked to wear at weddings were just hideous. And I just couldn't stand how we looked. And and so <clears throat> my friend and I thought, well, we can create dresses, and we did. And when I moved to London, someone introduced me to this woman named Nicole Hindmarch who had founded a company called The Wedding List, and I thought it was a really interesting concept. And so when I moved back from Hong Kong after a couple of years, I re- approached her to say, can we bring this concept to the States, but can we incorporate the internet This will date me. But, you know, it was, you know, at the end of the 90s when no one actually understood that you could sell wedding presents online. It was like I was talking to a bunch of guys on Sand Hill Road trying to explain to them that people were going to buy wedding presents online and that this was a huge opportunity, Mm -hmm. and they laughed in my face, (laughs) literally. But we are still trying to figure it out. They're still trying to figure it out. But, you know, at the end of the day, wedding gift shopping is really like buying a commodity. You know what you want to spend for the most part. They've already told you you want the – if people have registered – you know what they want and so you just have to decide how much you're comfortable spending and it's a perfect mm-hmm. application for the internet. No one really wants yeah. to go to a store on a Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, so that was the whole wedding registry and we sold that company to Martha Stewart in 2001.
0: I mean, how did that sale go? Was it a good thing? Was it a challenging thing? Was it like, you know, losing your baby? Was it a relief? I mean, I've never sold a company. Yeah, you know,
2: it was really, to be totally honest, it was really, really hard. It was my baby. One of the biggest mistakes I made in if I could do it over again, I would, is, is just bringing in the wrong financial partners. So when I launched The Wedding List, it was enormously successful overnight, and we were growing really rapidly and exceeding all expectations. But then the dot-com market blew up, and uh, our investors got really scared, and so they kind of forced a sale earlier than we would have, and we've been in the conversations with both Martha and Ralph Lauren. They both approached us to invest or buy the business, and we ultimately... Sold to Martha because it seemed like a perfect fit because she had this magazine. I stayed through my contract for about a year, and then I I just, for me, it wasn't going to be a long-term fit.
0: You you left Martha, and you started your own retail consulting practice. That's really interesting. I
2: might need to call you sometime. Um, (laughs) What kinds of things did you advise on? Well, you know, as an entrepreneur, uh, when you've run a small company and built it up, you see all facets of the business. And so when I left, Martha, I started getting a bunch of phone calls from people. And the first one was from a man who at the time was the CEO of Oscar de la Renta asking me if I would help this designer named Vivian Tam with her business. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it went on to, um, you know, work for Bergdorf Goodman and for some celebrities and uh, – the Figures they owned a brand called Best & Company, which was like a luxury children's brand. And so I started talking to them about everything from operational strategies to marketing to merchandising to e-commerce, you know, a lot of these – People were still so many of the retailers dug their heels in and were not gonna, you know, incorporate the internet into their business, which I thought was crazy from day one. And so the thing I like about consulting is as an entrepreneur, I don't have good ideas all the time. So it's it allows you an opportunity to stay in the game and to learn about other businesses and, and lend value while you're thinking about your next big idea.
0: Girl Boss Radio is all about empowering our listeners to become bosses of their own lives, which is why I'm super excited to welcome Fresh Books as our sponsor. If you're a freelancer or entrepreneur, FreshBooks wants to help you run your own small business like a boss. FreshBooks makes creating and sending invoices ridiculously easy, and invoicing is only the beginning. To help you get started, FreshBooks is offering a month of unrestricted use to all of our listeners, totally free right now, and you don't need a credit card for the trial. To claim your free month, go to freshbooks.com slash girlboss and enter girlboss in the how did you hear about us section. Don't show up with a predictable box of chocolates this Valentine's Day dinner. Show your special somebody just how much you care with me undies, the world's most comfortable underwear. Me undies are made of micro-modal fabric, meaning they're twice as soft as cotton. And they don't just feel great, they look great too. Don't miss February's limited edition design from the legendary artist Keith Herring. This retro design is inspired by love, making it the perfect Valentine's Day gift. Head to MeUndies.com slash girlboss now and get free shipping and 20% off your first order. Order before February 4th in the U.S. to make sure your pair arrives in time for Valentine's Day. That's MeUndies.com slash girlboss for free shipping and 20% off your first order of the world's most comfortable underwear. So tell us about Beauty
2: Counter. What is Beauty Counter? Well, Beauty Counter is a a business that... I launched a couple of years ago. We are a brand that is really focused on bringing safe products into the marketplace. We're specifically focused on beauty, skincare, personal care products. And my thesis, or the reason that I started the company, was I was looking at the marketplace, having learned that that we were being exposed to all these toxic chemicals through our skincare and our makeup. And I saw that we were being asked to make a choice, right? You could either have great products that were high-performing, effective, sexy, chic, aspirational, on-trend, And they were filled with thousands of chemicals that were bad. Or you had these safe, eco, crunchy lines that didn't really work very well, didn't smell very good, didn't meet my needs as a person who came out of fashion and retail. And so I thought, why can't we have both? Why can't we have products that work really well, that have the same performance levels of a traditional brand, that are significantly safer for your health? And so I started a brand to lead this movement for Better Beauty to… Not only bring great products in the marketplace, but to actually educate Americans on their exposure to toxic chemicals, and hopefully help them lead safer, healthier lives.
0: How did you come up with the
2: name? First of all, I want something decidedly American. I feel that we so often, uh, although this isn't the like impetus for starting the company, but I feel like we've we've offshored everything, and so many of the great ideas go beyond our borders without us, you know, giving credit to our own country and to our So I wanted something that was very American and sound. I wanted something that was accessible. And obviously women think of the beauty counter. And to your point, it was sort of twofold. It was how do we redefine what the beauty counter experience is all about? And most importantly, it was the intended double entendre of going counter Mm -hmm. to the beauty industry because the beauty industry has not – really has not changed for many, many years. And so – That was the idea. And 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 we could get the URL. (laughs) Which is always hard to do in today's world. It is a big one, just to be able to get
0: beautycounter.com. You can guess how who I had to buy nastygal.com from. So
2: Yeah. (laughs) I can't even
0: imagine. And you're a B corporation. Yes.
2: What does that mean? So B corporations are companies that put into emphasis people, planet, profit. It is something that's actually like in our bylaws. It's it's an actual thing. So for example, if we were to sell the company someday right you know we couldn't just sell it for money and then not take care of the people, or we couldn't create products that were detrimental to the earth. You know, we have to be careful about our choice of everything from the materials we use in our packaging, to the supply chain, to our carbon footprint, how we treat our employees, what type of, you know, culture and environment we're creating, and how we just, you know, most companies are only bottom line focused, they're only focused on profitability, and we are very much focused on profitability, but we also want to take into consideration the other aspects and our impact You can do well and do good simultaneously, and Mm -hmm. we are very much about that.
0: I mean, I've considered cosmetics for Nasty Gal, and everyone's just like, don't try it. It's so intense. Do a license, like, and then that just seems like you're slapping your name on some garbage. So I don't know if we'll ever get around to it. But um, it's no small task to bring a beauty product to market. And as someone who had no experience doing that,
2: how did you figure that out? It has been a really difficult process bringing great products to the market. You can slap your name on anything and bring a product to market in a couple of months, but not for us. You know, we had been dedicated to making our products safe, and so we we removed over fifteen hundred ingredients that are commonly used in all skincare and cosmetic products. And then said, but by the way, they have to perform as well as any you know X brand to name the brand. They have to be great. So I partnered with a woman named Christy Coleman, who's a leading fashion celebrity makeup artist. She has been in the industry for many years and is noted as being one of the best in both the fashion world but also sort of in the celebrity and model world. She, you know, is always doing Victoria's Secret and Ralph Lauren. And, but she was also very focused on, on health and safety and was the first leading makeup artist to clean up her kit. So together she and I and a woman named Mia Davis who is a huge environmental health activist and who had been at the forefront of the BPA-free movement. The three of us sort of sat together and said, okay, performance safety, performance safety, and we started looking for labs that would even entertain the fact that we would do this with them because people laughed at us. when I said, look, they've got to perform as well as your, I can, you know, I never name brands, but let's just make a brand. It has to be as good as Chanel or it has to be as good as Revlon, mm-hmm. but it also has to be void of these thousands of ingredients. And they l- literally laughed in my face. But So the, you had yeah, to find a lab that was willing to innovate with you, huh? Yeah, and, and that was hard. And, I mean, you know this, right? I think as an entrepreneur and for those people who are listening that are thinking about their next step, you know, one of the things that I think marks a great entrepreneur is knowing your strengths and what you know and what you don't know and then being scrappy and being resourceful and unapologetically calling Mm -hmm. everyone that you know. I would call people and be like, didn't your friend used to work at this beauty company? And I would just call these people and ask Mm -hmm. them questions. And then, you know, every single person, I'm sure this happened with you when you're trying to manufacture clothing for the first time, each person answers the questions and leads you one step closer. Right. You yeah. learn a little bit and then from that you learn and yeah. get one more connection. And so I just went at it for a couple of years. I heard
0: the laws surrounding what can be used in skincare products hasn't changed since what? Like 1938. The, that's insane. It's crazy. Do you think that's going to change? Have you gotten involved with the political side of it? What is that like?
2: It's interesting. Like beauty, I knew nothing about politics either and certainly it was never my – intention earlier in my life to be involved with politics but you know for me it's great to provide a solution through product but if we can't affect change all the way to Washington then people are still going to have toxic chemicals in the products that they put on their bodies um, every single day so to answer your question, we have not. Well, so we haven't passed a federal law regulating the cosmetics industry since 1938. But what's even uh, on top of that, the law that actually does exist is only one and a half pages long. And when you're talking about an 80 to 200 billion dollar, you know, global industry, depending on U.S. or global, it's a it's a large industry, and it doesn't allow, for example, like the FDA to recall products. So if the FDA knows something's really really toxic and has you know cancer causing ingredients in it, they can't do anything about it. And so for the first time since 1938 two senators, Senators Feinstein and Senator Miller from Maine, Feinstein from California, have introduced a bill that they're hoping to bring to the floor this year. And so Beauty Counter over the last you know, 18 months, but specifically over the last 12 months, has been very focused on advocating for cosmetic reform. And so we've been hosting congressional briefings. We've sent thousands and thousands of emails and letters and phone calls into Congress. And we've, we've mobilized this group of now 13,000-plus women mm-hmm. to lend their voices to this movement because at the end of the day, we're not just a beauty brand. We are a movement for better beauty, and we believe that that has to go all the way to Washington.
0: So those 13,000 women you mentioned, those are the consultants who – are now entrepreneurs because of beauty counter. Can you tell me about how that works?
2: I'm speaking to preaching to the to the choir here when I speak to you about the desire for women to really stay in the game, to be entrepreneurial, to build businesses. And when I thought about selling beauty counter products, I thought about the fact that this story of safe ingredients was going to be best told person to person, whether that happened in the physical, you know, world at a party or whether that happened digitally through the social networks and so a friend of mine said, have you considered selling your, your products direct? And I hadn't. But I, I really fell in love with the opportunity to mobilize this group of women. And so we've created a platform upon which now you know almost 14,000 women have been building businesses. And we call them consultants. They are independent consultants. But they lend five hours a week to 50 hours a week to our business. And they are there because they're earning an income. They're there because they want control of their their time, and they want flexibility and pay, and they're there because they believe in our mission, which is to get safe products into people's hands and to educate everyone in their community about the need for safer ingredients, because you know this. We all know this. Every person listening to this will know this. There's not a single person with whom I come in contact that hasn't been touched by cancer or reproductive challenges or children being born with health issues, and we need to do something about it. And this is one way we can take control. And why not do that while building a business that's successful for you and your family?
0: What is the yearly income of your top earning consultant?
2: You know, I don't know exactly on an annual basis. And this is this is an outlier, obviously, but I just I cut Two checks last month for over a hundred thousand dollars for the month. So, oh my god! But I think you know the average person. It's really what's a lot amazing. of money. I know, like I, I'm in the wrong job. I, was like, <laughs> I like, know. I'm not making 000, 000 a million dollars. You need to double debt. I know. Damn, I'm, i have <laughs> um, It's ridiculous. But no, I think you know we have people who are making fifty dollars a month and people who are making fifty thousand a month. It's really like any wow. job. It's what you put into it. You know, you build your business, and we have a lot of stay-at-home moms. We've got a lot of younger you know, women who don't have families but are working two jobs. or are looking for supplemental income. And I, increasingly, we're seeing the, the next generation of people who want to be entrepreneurial, who don't want a full-time gig but want to be able to make money. And so mm-hmm. getting five hours a week from someone is great. If they yeah. build a team, they'll make some money. How many kids do you have? I have three. I how, have two daughters and a son. How old are they all? They are 10, 8, and 6, girl, boy, girl. <sighs> So my youngest daughter is going to be, you know, interning for you in a couple of years. So she's a total fashionista. Like she's unbelievable. The six-year-old? She has, cool. She has like an incredible sense of style, like super That's Cali cool. boho, but like with an edge. It's really yeah. funny to watch it happen that early on with no guidance from anyone.
0: How do you balance motherhood and being the CEO of like a really
2: rapidly growing business? I don't sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> caffeine? seriously, Caffeine sleep. Um, you know, I've been saying this a lot lately, and I, I really believe this to be true, which is I think that in in balancing it all, one is I obviously chose well in my partner in my husband in that, I, and I was very confident when we went into. I got married when I was twenty four for about six months. It didn't work out, uh, which was my choice, whatever, my starter marriage, as some people say, but it was a blip. But you know, I think when I came out of that, I was like, next time around, I'm going to be very true to who I am and what I believe in. And so when I, ent- when I entered into my relationship with my husband, I was very clear about the fact that I'm an entrepreneur and I really believe in business. So I'm going to continue to stay in the game. and throughout having children you got to be a partner to me because i'm not i'm not going to be doing this like i'm up all night and you're not kind of thing mm-hmm. and i think that's been helpful to me but i think at the end of the day what i always say is that you can have everything but you can't have everything on the same day so i pick and choose my battles you know today this morning like was my workout morning and so i let everyone was <laughs> running around me in the house and i was doing my workout but they know like <laughs> that my husband knows like he's on kid duty that morning and yeah. you know there are other days when i'm just totally at work and i have to say to my family like i'm not gonna be here for three days but but i've got facetime and i've got phone and totally. you can get I, mean, I think that when women struggle to be perfect and super per, superwoman on all accounts every single day it's just it's just not realistic yeah. what motivates you is it
0: the fact that you have got a, you know full, like three mouths to feed is it just are you possessed is it the caffeine <laughs> like what is it
2: What really honestly motivates me right now is my desire to actually affect change and to be a disruptive voice in an industry that I think is pretty antiquated. I think that I get up every day. Yes, of course, I have mouths to feed. I have future generations to take care of. I care very much about making this country safer and healthier for people. And I also – I get up because I believe we we can do something about it. I I know that my voice is being heard. I know that I can – and have already started to move a market in a really significant way, and that motivates me. I always say, and I really believe this to be true, if you're incredibly passionate about what you're doing and you're in love with it, the money will come. You know, we all have to make money. We all need money. The world, you know, unfortunately, goes that it's just what makes the world go round. But but if you get up every day and you're doing something that you love – you're gonna run out of bed. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. jump out of bed every morning because I know I'm actually doing something that's important, important to me and important to the to the world. Yeah. To whatever extent there is a term, you know, serial entrepreneur, I think it's always been part of who I am. Partially out of necessity, right? Because I needed to make money when yeah. I was younger, and so I was one of those people that didn't have that free ride always. Yeah. But also because I've always really seen opportunities in business and wanted to, you know, kind of hustle and make changes. What time do you get up? Too early. What time do you go to <sighs> bed? Too early. I mean I'm I'm so tired these days. I mean I usually go to bed now, I go to bed between nine thirty and t- I usually get into cool. bed at nine thirty and I mean not on the weekends if I'm going out, but you know, if I'm if it's a weeknight, I'm trying really hard not to drink anything. I know. Which is hard, but it gets tired at morning. So I usually get in bed at like nine thirty, read for half an hour and go to bed at ten and I usually get up at six, but but oftentimes I'm up at like four thirty or five. How many days a week do you exercise? <clears throat> Three to four. Yeah um but i you know i get up because i i want to make my kids breakfast i want to make them lunch cool. i care very much about what they eat so i feel like that's my time i need to dedicate to them so i have to get up earlier every week i ask my guests what their girl
0: boss moment was for the week which a girl boss moment can be i took a bath and lit a candle i spent time with my family i we hit 14,000 consultants at beauty counter But that thing that made you feel really great, that made you feel like you did the right thing for yourself that week. What was your girl boss moment this week, Greg?
2: (laughs) That's a good question. Can I tell you two things that have been good this week? Yes. So one is family-related and one is business-related. So family-related, we had family dinner last night, and we had we had this Scottish kid living with us, and we invited his South African girlfriend and our our nanny and our old nanny and all these, all these people. And I was looking around this table, and I was like, you know what? We've done an okay job of creating a really fun family environment for our kids and, and to bring lots of people into our world, which is hard when you're working parents. You know, I was thinking back when I was in my teens and looking to people who were You know, in their 40s and thinking there were a couple families that were those really fun families and I always wanted to be one of those really fun families because I grew up in a divorced family where it's kind of just me and my mom and my brother. Mm It wasn't as fun around our house. Yeah. My dad was super difficult. And so last night, it was as like the music was blasting and my kids are doing performances and everyone's having wine and all these young people are around the table from different countries who feel, felt like at home in our home. And yeah. I was like, okay, this is a happy house and that yeah. made me happy. I and do, I, think, I
0: relate to that so much. I was an only child and my parents didn't really get along that well. And, you know, it's like you can bring a friend over, but it's still just like four people kind of sitting at yeah. a table. and. You know, to have the home where anyone can come over and just come hang out and like flop and a little bit of an open door thing and you're okay with stuff getting broken because stuff is just stuff or whatever it is, you know, not the non-precious, non-formal totally. household is always something that I kind of wanted. Me I too. loved going over to those kids' houses and – I want that. I I want that, Greg. Yeah. No, it's good. You did a good job. Well, Well, thanks. I think
2: it's a big, you know, I didn't have it growing up at all. Yeah. And my dad was really tough. And, you know, I think about some of the decisions that were made by him. And, you know, going back to like looking to my mother always is is the sort of guiding post for me because I never had that. I never had that really fun household. My my mom was awesome and she continues to be awesome. I love her. She's awesome. But it was harder, you know, and I think that you don't need a lot of money, but you need a lot of love and like your family. You need to have fun. Like life is Mm -hmm. fun. It's short and just – and so that was great. And the other thing was just on a business note yesterday, I was saying to my husband last night that we're about to do another raise of financing and we had all these investment banks in pitching us yesterday and, you know, the biggest names in the industry. And I said to Mark last night, I was like, you know, it felt good to see that these guys have all – flown across the country to pitch us and, and believe in what we're doing and that, we, that we're at a place now where they're all vying for our business. And, yes, of course, they're trying to make money. But at the end of the day, a year ago, two years ago or five years ago, like I didn't have that group of people at the top, top names like begging to do a deal with us. And that mm-hmm. was one of those moments when you're sitting there as the woman and you're in a room full of men and, and you're calling the shots. Like that's that's a good moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you know we need more women in leadership. And so it made me feel really good to know that I was among those women who are, who are changing the course of business right yeah. now.
0: Greg, what advice would you have to women who are aspiring to be independent, entrepreneurial, strong
2: girl bosses? You know, I tend to believe that there are a couple of things that are really important um, to all entrepreneurs. But obviously, I'm a woman who's very focused on women entrepreneurship. And I think that one is, you know, have confidence. First of all, know that you follow your gut. Your gut never it, – it's never wrong. It serves you well over and over I think it's it's really important to know where you're strong and know where you're not strong, and find strength in people around you who can you know help support your efforts so that you're not trying to be everything, but you're doing what you do really really well, and find great people around you. One thing that I think I don't see enough of is is women, you know, using the fact that they're a girl to their advantage. It's not an it's not a liability, it's an asset. You know, use it. Use it to your advantage. You know, you can often sneak up on people, like especially men. They they don't realize how smart you are, how intuitive you are, how much you're listening to them. We yeah. have emotional Charm intelligence. Charm the shit out of yeah. people. I agree. Like use they don't. the things to your advantage. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't think you're a disadvantage because you're a woman. You don't you're have actually... to like wink and like cross your legs no. or anything, but I find that so often I'll sit back and listen to these guys and then I'll come in and be like, boom, <laughs> and they have no idea that I'm going to hit them with what I'm going to hit them with because totally. they're assuming because they're guys, and you know, and I, and I don't, I just don't allow them to ever intimidate me. I never did when I was younger, yeah, and I certainly don't know that whole now.
0: conversation about like how do you handle it when you're in a room full of men. I'm like, I don't think about the fact that I'm in a room full of right. men, I'm just, I consider. It's, right. That's not even a consideration. Well, you know, I think when you consider those things, you see yourself as something other than people will perceive you as that, and you'll perceive yourself as that, and that's the psychic juju that you send out into the room. And if you just kind of bulldoze any kind of like preconceptions or what you would expect people to expect from you and get nervous about it and overcompensate or it ends up being just super weird. Does that make sense? No, I totally know what you're talking about.
2: You know, when people, you know, so many of the guys even in the west side of LA where I live now I think they all thought that this is Beauty Counter was a little vanity project. And then I'll never forget when I announced to them last December that TPG had invested in Beauty Counter, and all of a sudden, all these guys are now talking to me. And I'm like, why would you have assumed before it was a vanity project? This is not a vanity project. I'm a businesswoman. I'm probably smarter, more successful than you're ever going to be. But, yeah. okay, you know, you yeah. can talk to me like I'm dumb because I'm a woman. But I, again, I don't take any offense to that. I just use it. I like bank that. And then I figure out in ways in which I can be stronger and better. And yeah. my advice is go for it, go for it, go for it. Don't hold back. Have confidence. And uh, we need more women like you in, in business, period
0: where can we find beauty counter and how
2: can we become consultants? <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> get, get a new day job, right? Um, so you obviously can go to our website, beautycounter.com, or you can go on our website and ask for an independent consultant. And you're, we're represented in all 50 states by this incredible group of women. And for people who are interested in the business opportunity, go to the website and look under, you know, consulting and see if that's something that's of interest, because it, you know, it is a great opportunity to have some flexibility and to earn income.
0: Cool. I love what you're doing. I love these products i want to sell them on nasty gal if you'll let me and yeah you're super inspiring thank you so much
2: for coming on the show thank you for having me i mean it's it's back at you i love seeing other women who are doing awesome things and i have a lot of respect for what you guys have built here it's pretty amazing
0: thanks for tuning in next week we will have jessica coslow the founder chef proprietor owner of your favorite brunch place in los angeles squirrel our producer is shara morris Thank you also to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers at Panoply. You can find exclusive content about today's show by going to NastyGal.com and clicking on Nasty Galaxy. Please let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at Girlboss, on Instagram at Girlboss. Our email address is podcast at girlboss.com. And you can find me, Sophia Amoruso, at Sophia Amoruso, on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, wherever. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to leave us a rating or comment wherever you subscribe. Thank you also to the band Phases, our theme song. It's from their song, I'm In Love With My Life, off an album, Back to Graph, for our interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Amoruso. Peace out.